Let us worship God. Twenty-third Psalm from Psalms for Praying. O my beloved, you are my shepherd. I shall not want. You bring me to green pastures for rest and lead me beside still waters, renewing my spirit. You restore my soul. 
You lead me in the path of goodness to follow love's way. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow and of death, I am not afraid. For you are ever with me, your rod and your staff, they guide me. They give me strength and comfort. You prepare a table before me in the presence of all my fears. You bless me with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the heart of the beloved forever. Amen.
A reading from the Acts of the Apostles, the second chapter, beginning with the 42nd verse. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, God added to their number those who were being saved. Here ends the reading. Once upon a time, on a north shore of Turtle Island, not far from Mount Tamalpais, was a winding road. There the light streamed golden, with rays of glitter cascading down a waterfall of leaves, dappling the pavement below. There were signs of workers, fresh soil and anchored saplings, but in the golden hour of each evening, they remained theoretical, never seen. This was the land of free libraries where mailboxes used to live, and in place of books were jars of local honey, a relief for allergies should there be a need. All the homes had circle drives and fences made not of wood, but of living hedges, and the scent of roses greeting passers-by. Most incredible of all, just beyond a bridge carved in stone and made ancient with moss and a dancing brook below, there lived a pink cotton candy tree. Locals called her a dogwood, natives an arrowwood. But I know a spirit animal when I see one, and she was as sweet as spun sugar, a heavenly pink cloud. Now that walking season has come, I go there most evenings. I'd live there if I could. But I no sooner enter the pink cloud than I am reminded of the tension of this place. This place, once home to native peoples, and a tree they once used to treat malaria, now used for golf clubs. It's a place that was once unimaginable to own, and now in all its quiet luxury, loudly proclaims there are haves and have-nots. Still, the beauty of this place heals me, even with the other parts. I, too, know the longing of comfort and quiet. When I first settled on our reading from Acts, 
I thought the lectionary was serving up cotton candy lane, a softball. Here you go, here is the kingdom of God lived out on earth, where all who believed were together and had all things in common, where all sold their possessions and distributed the proceeds as any had need. An idyllic dream in which to finally rest. But then I kept reading, and the more I read, the more disillusioned I became. The Bible can be like that. If you try to make it one thing, you're likely to become disillusioned later. And as a preaching person, I am not always so generous with my disillusionment. I worry it's reactive, not fully in touch with the nuances of what is true. And if I'm not standing in what is true, then what am I doing? Thankfully, there are people in my life I can say anything to even when the tradition I follow feels less than pure. So this week, when my mother called, I told her. I told her about Cotton Candy Lane and how much I loved it there and didn't want to destroy it. I told her about the tension of that place. I told her about our reading and of the disillusionment I was feeling. I explained that our sweet little verses are surrounded by what sound to me a lot like anger and fear and mudslinging, and how disappointed that left me. I told her that nary an opportunity goes by for our dear apostles to accuse people of killing the author of life, whether the accused understand the allegations to be based in reality or not. And that even stories of healing become entangled opportunities for hostility and revenge. How was this man healed, you asked? By the name of Jesus, the one you killed, of course. And when the apostles are flogged for continuing to spread a message deemed both uneducated and disturbing, a message of the resurrection of the dead, the apostles respond as if flogging is what they wanted. They rejoice because they were considered worthy to suffer dishonor in Jesus' name. How disturbing is that? And as the group grows and more and more people are giving of their possessions for those who have need, I told her about a couple who sells their land, retains a portion of the proceeds, and lays the rest at the apostles' feet. But that because they don't give it all, they become forever known as liars and die on the spot. What kind of message 
is that. Death for those who give generously, but not generously enough. As I was telling my mother all of this, each of us on speakerphone with the windows open, enjoying the warmth of spring, the birds around us began to sing. Chirp, 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 the birds near me began. Chirp, 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 the birds near her went. Back and forth, they continued until they successfully called our attention. Are the house finches talking to each other? We wondered. Delighting in our bird friends, my mother took a left turn. The vultures are back, she said. They were gone for the winter, but they're back again. Still feeling a little cynical, I retorted that maybe now that the ground is not frozen, they can go back to finding bodies. <laughs> I don't know, she retorted, unperturbed. But they have a place they like to hang out and spread their wings and soak in the sun. I could feel her smile. I never imagined vultures to be sun-basking beings. I was only ever disturbed by them. All their circling left me anxious. But with one observation, she transformed them. In the golden hour of day, she saw beings who delighted in warmth, and they became friends to look out for. Vultures can be made of anyone, allowing them to unfurl their wings and become three-dimensional beings is our work and can be the sweetest gift we receive. There are scholars who have answers for why the apostles seem so extreme. Answers that have to do with deep-held traditions and beliefs. Some say the apostles are but reflecting the life and death realities of failing to care for those in need. A continuation of what's found in the Gospel of Luke. Just think of the rich man who lived a life of luxury, ignoring the needs of others. And when he dies, he becomes the one to beg that Lazarus might just dip his finger into water to cool his tongue. Some say that in the first century, to take more than what you need is to steal or to be dishonest. It is to fail to take care for the widows and the orphans and the vulnerable. It is to fail to care for your neighbors as yourself. And some say that this group of Jesus' followers believed the end was near. They pooled their resources to push through and to get their message as far as they could. As was common in that time, they were one faction rivaling against others for honor and truth and funds. All of these answers sound reasonable 
Perhaps the third is a little uncomfortable, but reasonable. Still, none of them unfurled my frozen wings, at least not this week. This week, what I see is a people lost in grief and trying to make sense of what has happened. Sometimes they're angry, and they have good reason to be. Sometimes they make accusations that may or may not be based in reality. Sometimes they break bread, trying to experience what they once knew again. And sometimes they have moments of realizing the kingdom of God on earth, maybe even in spite of themselves. We all know the longing for comfort and quiet, for rest and still waters. When dappled light streams like rays of glitter and the soft animal of our bodies finally unfurl.
As we continue now with the prayer chants, you are invited in the silence of your hearts to offer your prayers of intercession and supplication, those prayers for the world, for those you love, and for yourself to be given to God.
Let us pray. Holy One, you have fed us in silence, in song, in story, and in laughter. And for that, we give you our thanks and our praise. Amen. Go forth, newfound friends of vultures. Unfurl your wings and soak in the sun and let beauty be your healing. And may the grace of God who created you in love, the peace of Christ who teaches it is possible to be love, and the power of the Spirit who calls you ever forward into new experiences of love, be and abide with you this day, this week, and evermore. Amen.